Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. I think they're good for us to think about. Maybe if you hear your prayer hasn't been answered, you don't seem to see a yes or no or whatever, then you might look at some of these. We don't ask or pray. James 4.2 says you want something, you don't get it, you kill and covet because you cannot have what you want, you quarrel and fight, you do not have because you do not ask God. God doesn't answer unless he's graceful, and of course he is, but often we don't get what we need because we simply don't ask. Christ followers try so hard to achieve success. Sometimes they cross the line from godly to worldly behavior to go after what they want. This puts them on the same footing as unbelievers and causes the world to not see a difference between Christ followers and themselves. Pastor Mark's teaching today will bring up a really important point. Are you asking God for the things you want? This will drill down to a more important question, which is who's running your life? you or God. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Matthew chapter 7 as he begins his message, Five Ways God Answers Prayer. Let's turn, if you will, to Matthew chapter 7. For those of you that get Newsweek, this just came out, Spirituality in America. I'd encourage you, if you'd like to, you can get online and read most of the article. It's just kind of gives us a snapshot in the United States of kind of what's taking place. But I wanted to read just one small section to you as we get ready to start here in our teaching on five ways God answers prayer. The title of this particular article, there's like 12 articles, I think, in the whole magazine about it. Feeling the Spirit of Prayer. How much time have you spent in the presence of God? Rabbi Zalman, his name is, I need uh, some of their Jewish friends to give me here. His name is about this long. He says, this rabbi is both gentle and disarmingly direct as he questions participants at a retreat in Johnstown, Pennsylvania. His eyes miss nothing, not even the subtle flinch of those in his presence who are unused to talking about God in personal terms. He says, the rabbi, God is real. That is what escaped us in the Hebrew schools and in the books that we read. He goes on, such discomfort with the Almighty is not unique. A recent survey of American Jews found that while 78% believe in God, only 62% believe God intervenes at all in their lives. Now, why don't you think about that? 78% believe there's a God. 
way more than half don't believe that God ever intervenes in their lives. Well, let me ask you a question. Why would you pray? If we have a God that never intervened in our life, why would you pray? What kind of a God would that be? See, that's amazing to me. And again, we won't go through because there's pages and pages. That just is, is shocking to me. But we know, in fact, the Bible says we have a God who is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. Jesus came here for us to know what God is like. And he walked this earth, he felt the pain, he went through temptations, he went through the trials, he went to the cross, all of that because we have a God who looks, cares, understands. So as we approach, I really don't know what those 62% of the people would believe when I say that God answers prayer. Why would you pray if he doesn't intervene in anything personal in your life? Are you glad that God hears you when you pray? A couple of you. Maybe 64% of you aren't. (laughs) Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For only those who have been good boys and girls. (laughs) For everyone who asks, receives. He who seeks, finds, and to him who knocks, the door will be opened. Let me give you some principles before we talk about the five ways that God answers prayer. I'll have six principles for you. Number one, God promises to answer our prayers. If we didn't have that in the Bible, it would be difficult to build faith, but we do. You see, answered prayer is proof there is a God who is interested in man. Why is that? Because we're his creation. Answered prayer is evidence that God listens to those who approach him in prayer and in faith. In fact, a verse that we've used a number of times in this series on prayer, we have a command from God. In Jeremiah 33, 3, call to me, pray to me, I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. So before we talk about these ways God answers prayers, remember these key principles because they fit into this sequence of things that you and I have to play with when we don't get a yes answer. Number two, God will always do the right thing in our lives if we submit to his plan. Now, there are times, and we'll talk about this, he will let us do our own thing. You don't want to go there. So, God's will for us, he'll do the right thing. He knows what the right thing is. He specifically knows what it is, and he will do it. Number three, God's will for us is always better than any of our plans. Now, sometimes we don't see that. Later on, looking back, we absolutely know it. Number four, some hindrances will prevent God from answering our prayers with a yes. So, 
There are times that God wants to answer us, give us exactly what we've been praying for, but there are hindrances. And I'm going to go through these hindrances. You don't necessarily have to write them down because there's a long list here, but I think they're good for us to think about. Maybe if you hear your prayer hasn't been answered, you don't seem to see a yes or no or whatever, then you might look at some of these. We don't ask or pray. James 4.2 says you want something, you don't get it, you kill and covet because you cannot have what you want, you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. God doesn't answer unless he's graceful, and of course he is. But often we don't get what we need because we simply don't ask. Number two, we ask, but we ask with a selfish motive. You won't get a yes answer, you're going to absolutely get a no answer. James 4.3 When you do ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. In other words, our heart is wrong. It's a wrong thing. Next, if you and I have sin in our lives, don't expect God to answer a specific prayer. He's interested more in your walk with him. Isaiah 59, 2, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. Next, very, very theological term, deep, stingy. What do I mean by that? Well, you're a taker. You're not a giver. You're stingy. You're stingy with things God's given you. You're stingy with your talents. You're stingy with your time. Well, what do you mean, Pastor Mark? Well, listen to Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. So if you're stingy with God, he uses the same measure back to you. I wonder why God isn't generous with me. Hello. You say, does that really apply? Oh, yes. If you're generous with God in all of your talent, your time, your money, your tithes, your offerings, God just, he gets the bushel out and back it comes. You've proven God for that many, 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 many times. Unforgiveness. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Next one, unbelief. See, quite often I don't get a yes answer because it's impossible to please God without faith. So I need faith. I need to have faith. And sometimes I just need you to pray for my faith. And you have to pray for my faith. And another person with me can challenge each other into reading the Word of God. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. The more we're in the Word of God, the more we know God, the more you live for God, the more you absolutely can have faith. Because, I mean, where's your hope? If you've been a Christian a few years, you know your hope is in nobody but God. Absolutely nobody but God. And so E.M. Bounds, a great man on prayer, wrote this. Not to be concerned, unbelief. In other words, well, I don't really pray much, and if I do pray, I don't have much faith that God's going to answer. He says, not to be concerned about the answer to prayer is not to pray. What a world of waste there is in prayers. What myriad of prayers have been offered for which no answer is returned, no answer longed for, and no answer is expected? In other words, he says, I love the way he says it. What a myriad of prayers. What a waste of the world of prayer. People praying everywhere. Are they expecting God to answer? No. 
What a waste of prayer. Just a simple waste of time. James 1, 5, 8. If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. See, God is not a stingy God. He gives generous. And it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by this wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The last one will sound strange to you. Now, we all have marital problems because we're all, those of us that are married have marital problems. Is that a true statement? Well, sure it is. Those of you that aren't married, you have problems with yourself. Is that true? Absolutely. You look in the mirror and you're not, well, what should I do? I don't know. What a dumb thing you did yet. Yeah, you have problems with yourself. What I mean is more than just the average, normal, everyday, whatever he says, she says, and we work those things out. Sleep on the other side of the bed, in the other room, we finally work them out. First Peter 3, 7 says this. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner, as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life. In other words, husband and wife, you need to be treating each other well so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I think this is amazing that a husband and wife can be really letting the sun go down in their wrath, angry, can't get things resolved, goes days and days and days, and there's a crisis in the family or whatever, and all your energy is needed to pray. Well, your prayers are hindered. Number one, all your energy is going to fussing at each other, not forgiving, instead of going to the spiritual warfare that's in front of you. Now, hindrances aside... God will answer our prayers every time. That's the fifth key. Hindrances aside, once those are out of the way, God will, kind of like the opening statement we made, God will answer our prayers every time. I repeat it to you again because it's the truth. And number six, often God's answer to our prayer is not what we expect. Now you say, well, is, is that exciting? Well, if you look at life as an adventure, that's exciting. If your memories exceed your dreams, you've stopped living. Let me say it to you again. If your memories exceed your dreams, you've stopped living. See, this is what happens when people get older sometimes. They don't, they, don't have any, they don't have any dreams for the rest of their life. It's just same old, same old. You've stopped living. When you stop living, there's not much exciting going on. There's not a thrill for life. There's not an excitement in life. So I said often God's answer to our prayer is not what we expect. I think that's incredibly exciting. Because one of the previous principles before is that whatever God does is always best for us. So I don't have any idea what he's going to do, how he's going to use me, how he's going to use you, what he's going to do in your family, in your life. But it's exciting to me to get up every morning and say, what in the world's going to happen today? You see, if you get 60 and 70 and 80 and you still have energy, you ought to be excited about life. That's what God wants. Those of you that are 30 and 40 think, well, I kind of have it set now. I'm going to, my life, I just put it in this little box or whatever. No, God just likes to kick the box out and spread you out. Do neat stuff. Remember, we talked about Europe. Numbers of you came and said, oh, man, God's been speaking to my heart. Well, keep praying. Who knows we're going to send over there. 
See, this is the exciting thing about life. And it comes from prayer. I can't tell you what God's going to do. But God's very excited. One of the things I read this, the paper, I think is very important. We're finding now that if people use their brains, that many times they will not get Alzheimer's like other patients. Why? It's like exercising your brain. So people work crossword puzzles and do whatever. I want to write in and say, no, do devotions. Think, whatever. So as you're looking at your Bible, you're stimulating yourself. You ought to be reading new books. we got the thing full of over there. Get yourself in a small group. Challenge yourself. Man, I've never done that before. And I'm like, good, do it. <laughs> what does it do? It's healthy for us. So God knows that we want to be active. You say, well, why do you say that God's ways are not our ways? Why can't we expect it? Well, I just told you. His ways are not our ways. Isaiah says that. Listen to Romans eleven thirty three. Oh, the depth of riches of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable his judgments and his past beyond tracing out. Psalm eighty four eleven. For the Lord is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. I mean, God's not stingy. And whatever he's going to challenge you with, whatever he's going to do, however he's going to answer your prayer, remember these principles, these six things I gave you before we go through the five ways that God answers prayer. All right, number one, how does God answer prayer? A no. Anybody here ever get a no from God? Yes. You were incredibly excited. Just exactly what I wanted, God. No. No, we weren't. Sometimes we struggle with it. There are times when God just simply says no. What we pray may be good, may be good for us, but God in his overall picture looks at it and goes, no, it's not the best thing. Somebody wrote this, no, when the idea is not the best. No, when the idea is absolutely wrong. No, when it might be right for you. I like this one, never really thought about it much. No, when it may be right for you, but create problems for others. So see, God has a great picture of the whole body of Christ. So don't lose confidence when you pray for something and the answer comes back, no. No. Now turn with me to Acts 16, just for a moment or two. God loves to say yes. But sometimes he has to say no. Now, relate answers to prayer to you as a parent. Those of you that have children and have teenagers, and you've gone through all of this, kind of relate this a little bit to the way God. You know, when your kids came for you and you, you have to say no, you really don't want to say no because you don't want to say no to them, but you know sometimes you just have to because it's the best thing. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. By the way, here's one more thing to write down. God knows what is best for us, just as we do for our own children. Paul was a man who prayed. He asked God. He tried to do the will of God. In verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Pergia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit, from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So in other words, they were trying to take the gospel, as God had said he would do to the whole world. Paul kind of sat down in the background, and he planned his trip. 
And as he's praying about the steps to go and where to go, it's clear that the Holy Spirit came to Paul and said, Paul, no, you're not going there. Now, when God says no to us, just like Paul, there's two choices. We can either say to God, okay, back to these other principles, your plan's better than my plan, timing's different, whatever. Okay, I submit to it. Where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do? Which is the right plan? Which is the right response? Which is the right choice? Or we can say, well, God, um, thanks for the no, but I really believe this is the right thing to do, so I'm going to go ahead. So Paul could have ignored it and gone right on into Turkey. He could have done that. He didn't. Write this down. It is dangerous to go ahead when God says no. When we go against the will of God, eventually, even though initially maybe some neat things take place, eventually it will not turn out good. This is a very common problem in counseling people. All of the pastors, Andrina, some of the other ladies, even the lay counselors we have, many of them counsel in the area of marriage. Specifically, this is a very difficult one because quite often people will come in and they'll talk about they want to get a divorce. They shouldn't get a divorce. It's not biblical to divorce. I don't care what it is. But God says, I can do it. I can do it. It doesn't matter what I can do. I know I hate divorce, but he'll forgive me and I'm going to go ahead and do my own thing. Well, see, God has already said no. But they think, he said, well, no, it's, it's okay. No, he said no. And many times I have people, a husband, and a guy and a gal, and they're, they're talking about getting married and one of them's not a believer. And they say, well... I prayed and, and God gave me a peace to go ahead and marry because one day this spouse is going to become a Christian. Well, that's wrong. See, God has said no. And they'll say, well, God hasn't said no to me. And I just go, well, First Corinthians says God did say no to you. Can you read? He said no to you. See, but the problem is, but at this point, they're on their emotions. And the emotions overrule the word of God. And by the way, any of us been there? Not marriage deal, but we've all been there. Anybody here, anybody here, when God said no, you went ahead and did it anyway? Let me see your hand. It was not good, was it? It was like, that's when you stand in the mirror and go, hey, stupid. That's when you talk to yourself, because it is not good. It's horrible. Some of us did that. We, well, God, God said, no, don't buy the car. You buy it. The only lemon in the whole world, you now have it. And every time you get in that sucker, something else has fallen off or whatever. Guy goes, hi, how are you this morning? You know, whatever. You all know that change jobs, do whatever, disaster results. So just be careful. It's dangerous. When God says no, he says no for a reason. Acts 16, verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. This is the second no. Two in a row. What's Paul thinking? Three strikes and you're out. No, he's not. Baseball wasn't there. So it's two strikes. Paul is, what's he going to do with two no's? Is he going to get angry and mad at God? Sometimes we do. But remember the principles I gave you. You can't disobey. It's not good. 
In his teaching today, Pastor Mark reminded you of what a loving God you serve and have a relationship with. You were told that much of the time the desires of your heart remain empty because you simply don't ask God for them. Pastor Mark talked about the fact that God promises to answer prayer, and he began teaching about the different ways God answers prayer. Lessons for Living is the teaching ministry of Pastor Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. We have multiple campuses to reach those living in Melbourne, Sebastian and Vieira. All campuses meet each weekend and on Wednesdays to spend time collectively raising our voices in worship to our Most High God and studying the truth and blessings found in His Word. For more information, directions, and service times, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on the church link at the bottom of the page. Next time, Pastor Mark will conclude his teaching, Five Ways God Answers Prayer. He'll continue talking about the principles of prayer, and he'll also tell you the different ways God answers prayer. You'll learn that it's much more than just a yes or no. You'll hear that in all of the ups and downs of your life, God's trying to make you more like Jesus. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Real Conversations with God. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting world. A new hope He is given.